Live from Derbyshire, this is The Sunday Lunch Show with Brent Poland, and you are listening live. Hi there, and welcome to this is going to be our last Sunday Lunch Show. The final, final one. Final one for the Stable Fusion. We're not leaving Teacher Talk Radio, we're just going to shift where we're going to be and what we're going to do. But uh, this one's going to be a big special. We're going to talk about dress code, we're going to talk about uniform, we're going to talk about um, what should you wear to school. So let's tune it in and talk it out. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio. Hashtag TT Radio. I thought that was a uh, an interesting start to start today's uh, show. As Brent said, it is our last uh, Sunday show, but um, you'll find us uh, on Teacher Talk Radio uh, in another guise very shortly. Um, but today's show is all about uniform. That's our big discussion today. Um, you know, and we also want to venture on to staff uniform as well yeah. and staff dress code as well. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, I count this during the whole. Um... <laughs> picked a good week for this with World Book Day. Mm. You know, what what the staff wear this week, uh, considering that some look like pretty much half the cast of, of Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> You're going down, you're seeing serve the service straight and, and Draco Malfoy, and that was the English yeah. department. So the, or, the, or Wednesday was the other big one I think I saw on, on social media. A lot of a lot of kids dressing up as Wednesday. Oh which, yeah. yeah, which is, which begs a question sometimes with World Book Day. Is it sometimes people just come dressed as Netflix characters? And, I think, I think and we just go pop culture. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I mean, there, there was a couple of let's just be honest, there was a couple of tenuous links to literature. Mm. Although the best one, I think, the prize across the country was a little tiny chap who had the uh, the ginger hair and the ginger beard, mm. and had a picture of. Of Prince Harry. Oh yeah, so that, yeah. yeah. I think that that yeah. got the award for probably. I was going to say I, I went dressed as Matt Hancock. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I thought I thought that's a that's a good, that's a good book. Uh, did, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get on to that later yeah. on about about Mr. Yeah. Hancock and, and obviously Sir 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 Gavin's uh, contempt yeah. for the teaching profession, so to speak. 
Uh, and of course, it was quite an interesting week. It is. It's, 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 I tell you, every week's be, becoming a very interesting week, which is one of the reasons why we want to do shows that respond to topicality yeah. in education. And I think education in the next couple of months, especially as we lead up to the next cycle of elections, I think everybody's cottoned on to the crisis that's in education and, and the battle for the heart and soul of what's going on in our schools because, you know, things are, you know, they're tough. They're really, really tough. And, and when we're looking at school uniforms, I mean, I, I come at it from a point of view of I support the use of school uniforms from a universality point of view, the same way I support free school meals from a universality point of view, same way I support Every Child Matters, which was a thing years ago, same way I support, you know, SEN provision, same way I support, you know, gifted and talented. I support the idea that we want to give children as much opportunity as possible. And I like the fact that a uniform is a leveler. A uniform is one of those things that, you know, I don't like non-uniform days because you start to then see, you know, the kids who have got more affluence and the kids who have less affluence. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I I don't, I know some people do teach in schools that have relaxed the uniform, have got no uniform. And maybe their social context is that way, but maybe I'm institutionalized that I've grown up in schools. I went to schools with strict uniforms and I myself have, you know, taught in a school that had a really good uniform yeah. and a good uniform policy for 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 now on nearly 19 years and i wonder if confirmation bias does come into that because yeah. because we always wore uniforms therefore what we see as a school and what we recognize as the premise of the school is something that you're wearing a uniform i think so. it's down to the homework category yeah. when we discuss the homework category is you know it's the thing that school does yeah. is, is you know teachers set homework yeah. you expect so, so let's, let's get a tick box is there a display? Yeah. Yes. Is the homework? Yes. Is the uniform? Yes. Okay, so school. Exactly. So <laughs> we've, we've got that thing called it's school. that institution. Yeah. And you know, we expect your school children to wear a school uniform. And but then there's also the pride aspect of it. The school uniform is part of the identity of the mm. school. It's part of the culture, part of the history, part of the heritage, part of the you, you know part of the DNA, the fabric of of, of your school. Your, your some schools, their uniform is is something that they're it's handed down through generations. Yeah, yeah. The, the school colours. I know that my my school uniform. For my for my grammar, my sixteen to eighteen grammar that I went to when I got my GCSEs, I went to a grammar, and that that tie is eternal. That the tie in the blazer and the and the and the, the symbol of it yeah. is connected to a saint as well. So you have, you know, you have a lot of this connection to like the, the Centrinians thing, yeah, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah. and 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 that's the thing about school uniforms. They are more than a dress code. They are part of a of, of a cultural di identity and a history and yeah. a diversity of. Oh, which which yeah, that, this that country has yeah. still got. It's it could be an interesting thing to know if anyone's can tweet in or call in today. You know, have you kept your school uniform? Is it something you've hung, hung on to after everything else from your school days have gone? Have you still got a tie? Somewhere? Have you still got your school tie? Yeah. We we always handed school ties uh, a specific school tie at our at our prize giving evenings to the students. Um, and quite it's quite interesting that I have some colleagues. I got some colleagues who are ex pupils. And one of them was a head head boy, which we're now calling head person, which is great. Yeah. You know, we're moving with the times. Um, but he's still got his tie from when he was head boy. He, and he's now a member of staff in the school. And still, you know, on, on sort of dress up days, he's still got his tie that was mm. given to him um, how many years ago now? And mm. I, as an ex-pupil, I, I taught, taught this person who's now a colleague of mine. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. They've still got part of their school uniform. Um, because, you know, some parents keep the uniform as it keeps safe. And... and Sometimes the uniform's handed down, the, the blazer may be handed down from, from child to parent. So it's more than a piece of clothing, it's it's kind of part of the, the fabric of, mm. of, of some institutions, you know. Obviously your public schools, they have, you know, a very different uniform, tops and tails and hats and, 
and, and they've got again yeah. their, their very strict sort of uh, etiquette about how they yeah. dress and, and that's part of their gain their culture yeah. it's interesting if you look at then further down the track when you get to university you don't wear a uniform to university however when you come to the celebratory part of the university yeah. you then put on a uniform don't you? you then put on a dress code you put on the, the gown, the gown yeah. Yeah, and you put on the hat mm. and again what comes with the gown and the hat is all the different colors and it's almost like heraldry isn't it yeah, yeah. you know you're, you're part of a different faculty and that's the color of that faculty you're part of that um you know and again you can tell which type of degree they've had you can tell whether mm. they're a professor and yeah you're right it's one of the again the, the rites of passage that you dress up in the gowns yeah. but i was reflecting in this going like what did kids used to wear to school when schools were first coming in, you know, at the time of the Industrial Revolution? And yet you know exactly what a stereotypical head, you know, t master head teacher, um, teacher looked like back in the Victorian days. There was a certain look, wasn't it, the, the gown and the hat. So again, like society evolves, what we wear to school in some ways has evolved. But in other ways, I don't think it has. And, and, and Again, there's a lot of body research out there that says, you know, uniforms are good. It's controversial. And there's others out there that say uniforms are not. Um, I know the United States of America, they've got no uniform. We, we were going to show um, a, a clip, which we can't use because it's got a bit of swearing in it. And it was the difference between going shopping with a child for yeah. their school uniform in the UK versus going for shopping for, the, for, for, for a child in America. Mm. But I know that one of my favorite, sorry, pet hates is non-uniform days. And I've talked about this before. I really don't like days because it, it just opens up and it's like the valve is released and then you have to have that awkward conversation with somebody like is that really appropriate what you're wearing and maybe that happens because it becomes a kind of thing of you get that one or two opportunities to fully express yourself and away yeah. you go and i know those that are for free expression say well what you always hear that in the news don't you where every local newspaper has a news story of a child being sent home because they've got the wrong shoes or mm -hmm. some academy trusts taken over and they've got a new policy and it always seems to be once a new academy change new head, it's down on the front of the paper it, the next day it's like in the handbook of being a new head yeah. teacher the first thing you do is attack the uniform yeah. attack the dress code attack the, the her policy and these things are eternal you know the shirts the ties the uniforms what the boys wear what the girls wear and then of course what the staff wear as well i mean i've read through um looking at some websites doing research and some 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 staff rooms have got very strict dress codes about this is what's expected of teachers no tattoos on show um you know beards trimmed etc you know depending on the institution you go in also depends on how you dress as a yeah. member of staff equally how you dress as a child yeah. and then equally how strict the uniform is as a rule of thumb i'll be honest it does seem to be that well better run schools tend to have a better uniform policy i've put that out there mm. i tend to think that's true i yeah. tend to think that i often said to people when they're like why are you picking a child up but you know get the uniform tucked in get the top button done up i thought well i'm fighting on them that if i'm fighting them on uniform yeah. what am i not fighting them on but do you not think also there's a bit of a code like an unwritten code into yeah, the fashion uh, you know i'm just i'm just talking about it kind of as a business to business teacher i think i'm expected to wear a nicer suit than a geography teacher <laughs> Oh, so you're, you're oh, I see. Or, or, or the PE teacher, you'd expect oh. the PE teacher to be wearing a certain outfit. But your art teacher, you'd well, expect, you'd expect, expect PE teacher art. shorts all year round. It is minus ten outside. There's a Baltic <laughs> weather coming in. They're yeah. still in shorts. But, but, but is it is it more about is the uniform that we wear? Let's say our, our kind of staff code. Are we projecting onto the children what we expect as a kind of I think what the subject does? Old or? fashioned again, a controversial opinion, but I. 
I often say this to student teachers, and I've trained quite a few student teachers over my years, and sometimes I've had that the awkward conversation. You look like a teacher, talk like a teacher, walk like a teacher, act like a teacher. Mm. Children will not look at you as a student teacher. They will assume that you're a teacher. Yeah, I, I, I'm so, a big so, fan yeah, of so, standing. So, that, so therefore, the the, the the answer to that question is that uniform or dress code is a giving authority. Practice what you preach. Yeah. You know, you, you you've got to project an image that you want to be professional, that you are a person of gravitas, mm -hmm. and you can do that by dressing, you know, sharp. And I'll be honest, it doesn't have to mean necessarily mean, you know, going in and buying the latest suit that, that is perfectly fitting. It, it's, it's again, how you, again, it's how you hold yourself. How you, and there are those that say your appearance does not matter. I think it does. It's like the staff room, it's like the, the voice thing in a classroom. You know, you, you have to train people to project their voice. They have to train to project their voice to be assertive. So I think it's part of the unwritten rules of teaching and the unwritten kind of the dark arts of teaching, so to speak, that you have to sometimes say to somebody, look, how you dress communicates in a way that you want to be held seriously. And I've always said that to all the student teachers I've ever taught. You know, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you some advice. It's up to you how you dress. But if you want to be taken seriously, you act like a teacher, talk like a teacher, walk like a teacher, use our phrases, you know, you, you then you are a teacher. And, and it's it's a weird thing from a non-teaching point of view to say that there are certain things about being a teacher that comes with being a teacher. That's why we're a vocation. Um, same way, I'm sure it's certain things about being a police officer, yeah. same things about being a fire, fireman, same thing about being a nurse. It's, it's part of our kind of unwritten code about how we hold ourselves. I mean, you know yourself. So you see a kid in the supermarket screaming their head off. First thing I want to do is go over and say, you know, and not say discipline them, but you've got that look. Yeah. And there's times actually in society when I've sometimes felt like a teacher and and, and being that being that kind of assertive as a teacher. Yeah. And and sort of that's who we it's yeah. who we are. And I think how you look. It, it, Stanley Milgram is a very famous psychologist, and, and and I do I do put a lot of stock into what his experiments were. He he was he was trying to do what's called a social norm. And he was trying to figure out why ordinary people, you know, participated in things like the Holocaust. And what he was trying to figure out was, and this is quite interesting, that he discovered that two thirds of people would follow orders from somebody in authority. Mm -hmm. and, and he conducted experiments on that. It was quite, quite shocking, some of the experiments, literally shocking. Anyway, history, psychology knows what I'm talking about. Um, but it is that subliminal message you're giving out. As, as an educator, if you look the part, then you then are saying to that child, I'm at that level and i am your teacher that's the boundary and that's one of the reasons on non-uniform days i don't come in in non-uniform non-uniform days i may steam like i'm all stick in the mud myself i come in still wearing my professional clothes because i want to be treated like a professional look like a professional yeah. and, and I, I'm at, there's times to relax and yeah. times not to relax but in school i believe i should look the part as an educator yeah I mean, it's interesting because i've worked in lots of different types of teams um since leaving university i've worked in the kind of catering trade where they uh, chefs have a a uniform because True. they have to for, for and there's a safety element to that uniform yeah, in terms true. of it being white so therefore you can see hygiene yeah. um and there's also they, their fireproof jackets uh, or, or fire resistant kind of jackets are important um but then i've worked um for a kind of uh, in the in it teams as well and I remember walking into there, and every, everyone's wearing this kind of very stereotypical IT team, where everyone's wearing kind of um, you know um, t-shirts and jeans, and maybe some t-shirts with like cartoons on and that type of thing. 
and immediately from my kind of very strict upbringing about kind of uniform and dressing for I walked in with a shirt and tie and that type of thing I looked around everyone's in Sesame Street t-shirts and stuff like that they're looking at me going who's this guy my immediate bias was well who are these guys I don't really re- respect these guys because mm-hmm. they're wearing them but actually um they they their talent yeah. and their skill sets far outweighed almost their need to wear a uniform because yeah. they kind of they surpassed the, the need to wear to that's the to coach code they themselves. Created. Isn't that the culture? But it's, but it's almost they like they thought we I've got such an important skill here. Mm. And they were because they're an isolated team. They were the kind of security guys in the mm. IT team. And they basically thought maybe our our skill set far surpasses the need um to do that. Because I remember one guy just sat there like in a football shirt one day. And immediately I thought, well, I can never wear a football shirt to work because I've got that whole bias of what a football shirt means. And wearing a football shirt means kind of the football match, yeah. not the going to the workplace. However, he was a manager. He was a very competent manager. Mm. Uh, he had his team around him, but you know he's there in a, in a, in a football shirt nonetheless. Um, but that's so where you know you've earned the right to create that, yeah. that culture again that comes to those schools possibly has worked hard to create that culture where it's the same as the formal name you know using the name mm-hmm. you know do you do you drop the sir do you drop the miss yeah. do you do you do you refer to your first name yeah. but would you would you sit, you sit there in your class with a football shirt on to teach a class no but but you've you've gained that authority already people know people know you in that community they know you're a teacher you know you've done question that. is could i yeah yeah but because, you know, I have had to do my time, I've had mm. to earn my stripes, I've had to gain that respect, I've had to build those relationships, I've had to have that buy-in. I mean, we all know there are some eccentric teachers out there and you think of dress code, you think, you know yourself, that we've yeah. always had those those eccentric, teacher, the eccentric teachers and that's part of their, that was part of their identity yeah. um, and it was part of their kind of almost became part of their thing. We, we had one who, who was, we used to call him SAS because he wore socks and sandals. <laughs> And, he was, and that was it, and, and and that became the thing. It was kind of like, you know, and now somebody else tried to carry that off. Yeah, that would just be not a chance. But he was so established that the, the kids just bought into it, and he was absolutely no was no one was ever going to tell him to say, "Look, yeah. socks and sandals." And that became the, the unofficial you know, yeah. name was SAS socks yeah. and sandals. I mean, the history of uniforms seems to seems to suggest that it's coming from England. Um, it's coming from kind of England, maybe British industrial. I, 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 I presume. For the empire, mm. um, evidence there has been evidence of uniform in um, fifteen fifty two at Christ Hospital. Uh, there was also evidence of uniform in twelve twenty two, uh, where the Archbishop uh, the Canterbury uh, ordered the wearing of, of uniform and, yeah. and, and an outfit. Um, if you look at the map, the map of where uniform is in the world, um, it is stark really that a lot of Europe doesn't wear uh, uniform. Um, and the, um, the North Americas doesn't wear um, uniform, kind of as as a whole. Um, is it does that map kind of look a bit kind of like the British Empire, or it's like is the Western it, world yeah. a little bit? It's almost the Western world, with the exception of the Western world that wasn't influenced by the British Empire. Mm. Really, when you look at that, um, because they, you know, you've got New Zealand and, and Australian members of the Commonwealth, mm. um, but you still have, you know, uh, China's quite fit, China, Japan, so Asia's completely uniform. Yeah, but have have we have we um, kind of exported our what is school oh. to, to 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 the well, to, if you to the at, ones that have yeah to if, the you ones at, that, if you looked at you know I used to love watching neighbours back in the day and you yeah. see their uniform which again was very uh, more 
um, colourful. I mean, I remember working at the Sydney Olympic Games, nudge, nudge, um, in 2000, uh, 2000. And I remember the children's uniforms for the, the kids in Australia, they had all their hats on. They were literally, they had like these, these little ants. I remember looking at thousands and thousands of children holding hands going through the Olympic Park. And what struck me was the vibrancy of their uniforms. Their mm. uniforms were like little streams of blue, little streams of red, little streams of, of orange, purple, and all of them wore those those, those hats with the with the thing coming down the back, you know, yeah. to protect their thing. And every single one of them was uniformly wearing uniformly wearing the yeah, same yeah, uniform. Yeah. I mean, the, the word kind of gives it away. Absolutely. Yeah. So Australia is massively New Zealand. Those countries again, members of the British Empire, but so is China. Um, so is Japan. Of course, yeah. Japan's you know they're very conformist when it comes to uniform. Mm. whole of Africa is conformist and uniform and what's interesting is is that a lot of the OECD your, your traditional OECD countries with the yeah. exception of those members of the former empire with the exception of, of, of it's in North America there does seem to be a pattern there and it would be I, I think faith and religion comes yeah, into it as yeah. well those those parts of the world yeah. tend to be more desired yeah, desired uniform kind of is largely now almost like a suit isn't it essentially yeah so it's certainly for boys um, so does does it does it mirror kind of what is going on in the wider society that our that our world has become very kind of corporate, very kind of privatized. Therefore, the uniform that children are wearing represents that more. But hybrid working. I, I read a good article about this and listened to uh, a bit of bit of stuff on this about the death of the tie, mm. the death of formal formal business wear. That you know, it's not even now politicians. You see, they 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 take the tie off, or as I like to call it, the man shackle. Um, which, which is, yeah, I hate, I hate wearing a tie. I don't mind wearing a shirt. I don't mind wearing a, a blazer. I don't mind looking smart. But I've always just hated a tie. And I've got a really good collection of ties. And I've kind of yeah. thought to myself, I'll have to own a tie, which, 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 which happens to be, what I do is I take a tie in, I put the tie on in the morning, I take it off when the school finishes, and unbutton my top button. I'm still in my, my suit, but I unbutton my top button. Yeah. And that's how I operate. And I put it up in one of the hooks in the staff room. And by the end of the term, I literally have 25 yeah. to 30 ties. Now, what happens is one of my colleagues comes in and forgets their tie. I sometimes see my ties walking around school. Yeah. And one of the <laughs> mid supervisors whose son, this is classic, this, whose son was going for a job interview to and goes, I'm just borrowing your purple tie. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> lending, I'm lending my ties yeah. out to the wider school community. Yeah. Because a joke on joke was, it's like, does, does Bradley not have a tie? No, 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 Bradley doesn't have a tie. I think, why? Because, of course, young people now wouldn't, yeah. apart from school. And one classic example of this is, watch this one. We, for years, we used to get our kids to do their top buttons up. So it was one of those things, we had to go down the corridor, sign a diary, going, this child's got the top button. And yeah. what we were doing was just spending ages going, going down the corridor, going, signing a diary, going, top button, top button, top button. So one of my colleagues got so fed up with us, what they go and do? Clip on ties. Yeah, clip on ties is the big thing now, isn't it? Clip on ties. And, and you're like, no, problem solved. But lament this. You know, I have traditionals going like, I've had, you know, children when it comes to their formal, when it comes to their, their dinner dance, yeah. come to me and say, I've got this tie. I didn't know how to actually make their yeah. tie. So there I am with a 16-year-old, you know, man mountain, a foot yeah. taller than me because I'm not exactly very tall. And I'm, you know, putting this tie on like a father figure to a yeah. kid who's never put a tie on because we have clip-on ties. But, but is, that, is that not when it becomes almost satirical, a tie, when you have to put it as a clip-on tie or a glue-on tie or a Velcro yeah, tie? Yeah, or... exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then the other problem was is that the kids would make what they do is they, they'd make the tie fat to make the tie thin yeah. so we had to have five stripes on the tie yeah. so you'd be walking in a corridor going one, two, three, four, five, five yeah. stripes and your top button's done brilliant you yeah. turn your back 
tie be pulled, top button be undone, and you're fighting a war of attrition. Yeah. But but is yeah. that but is that not also part of being a child? I mean, I mean oh. each, each school's got its own thing about um, that the cool group do something different with a tie, or they they pull out some stitches. That means you're in a certain group. Or my a certain... four year old yeah. has a habit now. Four year old, I don't know if she's part of some gang. Four year old <laughs> secret crew. Every time we come to pick her up from rap round club, mm. she has her left leg up to her knee. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't have an idea. I keep asking the rap round people, why does she have that leg uncovered? And I think it started when she cut her she cut her knee once mm. and wanted to show me. So now every time I come to pick her up, it's kind of like, is she secretly running the school? Is, yeah. she, is, she, is she part of a crew of kids, of the left knee kids, yeah. who've got their left leg rolled up? One is it like a west side and east side? Oh, of your area? <laughs> my four-year-old. Um, but he, here's here's the thing, um, is that cardigans, right? I had a situation about oh, 10 years ago where um, I, had a cl- I, had a, I had a class and they were they were my tutor group. And, and, and the thing about it was they went through the year nine phase. And I love these kids dearly. I'm still in contact with a lot of them. Some of them are now in their 30s. Um, some of them are even teachers, which is hilarious. And so year nine came in and makeup started going on. And I'm like, mm. oh, gosh. And of course, back then, it was kind of like looking like Chi-Chi the Panda from Beijing Zoo with these black eyes looking at you, you know, with the makeup tech on you. And then the, 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 the spiders for, what do you call yeah. them? The spiders stick, for... Stick on uh, well, eyebrows. Stick on eyebrows that made... Not like, eyebrows, eyelashes. Eyelashes that look like spiders. <laughs> you, can like, tell me and, me, you can tell me in Brent on but I've got to... I'm, I'm going to have teenage daughters. Oh, very, very I'm not looking forward to that conversation. <laughs> yeah. So there we were with that, you know, and, and, and I'm having to do my job going, God, all right, come on, let's take the foundation down. Come on, let's let's get these eyelashes done. And and it got pretty heated. So what they started was a bit of a rebellion. And this is the problem. This is the point you're making. Kids will always rebel against school uniform. Yeah. They'll always put their own identity twist on it. They'll always do something about it. They'll always come up with a way to, to kind of rebel against. And that's that's part of that's part of the, I think the rite of passage. But these girls are very cleverly. I'm so proud of them. If they're ever going to listen to this, they might know how proud I really was of them. So they circumvented the school rules in true Poland fashion because. Be honest with you, I'm not always a stickler for the rules myself. Sometimes, you know, in an institutional society point of view, but here they did, they did was they found out a niche in our and a little tiny gap in our school uniform policy, which didn't state that you couldn't wear a cardigan. Mm. So they started coming in with cardigans, any color cardigan, and of course they read the school rules and they noticed there was a gap, and the gap was there saying no cardigan. There's no cardigan, so therefore they could wear a cardigan. So they all the whole year group started wearing cardigans. The whole year, whole school started wearing cardigans. And we're going. Where's these cardigans come from? Well, there's no rule against it. Boom, so we changed the rules to having a gray cardigan, not a branded one, a gray cardigan or a black cardigan to allow sort of the, you know, some sort of set standard. And as soon as that gray and black cardigan was brought in, guess what? The change. No, nobody. <laughs> nobody wore it. Now it's still, a, it's still a part of our school policy. It's still in there. But since after that, that's, that's 12, 12 years ago now, 12, 13 years ago. And since then, no other child and that's exactly what you get sometimes. You get pushback and you get kind of the constant, you know, evolving and the constant thing. And, and you see a lot of that sometimes with children rebelling. Uh, Paul, as he's saying, our regular contributor here, I still get a signed shirt and tie from his last day at school. Didn't have a uniform in primary days in the 80s. All over the 80s. Um, we, we, I did, we did have a primary uniform. Yeah, well, yeah, um, well, that, that, was, that was going to be my next question, actually. Um, is, um, is primary school uniform almost like preparation for the secondary uniform. Because yeah. if it's not, um, like my children's primary school didn't have a blazer, 
Now the second, all the secondary schools around here have a blazer that needs to be worn, and that's been the big discomfort. I noticed uh, a lot of the new trusts. One of the first thing they do, we, we hit up the mm. about they they redesign the uniform, they come up with a new crest, and they rebrand. It's almost like you said about marketing, mm. um, and they, they've come a cropper actually with the new legislation. I think the new legislation states. Let me just actually give you the wording of the new legislation of uniforms cost of living crisis as it's being. But the Education and Guidance about Costs of School Uniforms Act 2021. Let's get that one again. Education and Guidance about Costs of School Uniforms Act 2021. In April 21, a new law was passed which required statutory guidance to be published on how schools should design and implement their uniform policies with particular regard to the cost of uniform. <laughs> it's almost like they could predict the cost of living crisis two years before the cost of living crisis. The new law would help break down the barriers facing children living in low-income families. Timing is apt. The statutory guidance published in November 21 and advises in order to keep the cost of uniforms down for branded items to be kept to a minimum and for high street high street items to be allowed. So that's allowing your budget high street high street items, your grey shirts, exactly that grey uniform, mm. unbranded, unlogoed. But how many times do you see a local newspaper with a parent saying this uniform costs me 150 pounds, it has to be bought from a specific supplier, and it's because it's branded, because the new trust has brought in this branded uniform. And and as a I parented two children at school myself, I can tell you, schools are a money box with a hole in them at the moment with the amount of things you have to do, the wraparound clubs, sports clubs, everything. It's you know, schools are, you know, difficult for parents but to support. Uh, and uniform is a very hefty thing. It's school shoes. Children's shoes, the cost of children's shoes. It's an absolute breathe, breathe, breathe. My child's shoes can cost twice, three times more than mine. And they are quarter of the size go figure um that's my rant on that one uh, what else it also states that second-hand uniform must be available and providing cost-effective sustainable options schools are expected to have taken steps to adhere to new guidance before parents buy uniform for academic year beginning september 22 which is now mm. uh, and i know we have done this i have set up i know myself and my school chaplain have set up um, some uniform drops for ex-pupils to drop their blazers their, their ties and their old uniform to help others who are struggling so I know that's, that's going to help. That really will help about uniform and guidance. But as we were stating, when we saw that, their first response was, but that's the thing that all these new trusts went and did. Yeah, immediately. Immediately, the thing is, and, they, and because they put their, because um, I know my daughter's school, because the, like, the skirt has got the logo on it, the school logo on it, it, they can't really buy anything else. And it's one shop in the local area that sells it. So there's that, there's that kind of monopoly on price. Um, according to the um, a, rep a report recently done, and I've just posted it on Twitter from the Children's Society, uh, you're looking at, on average, um, £337 um, per school child at secondary for the whole kit, because it's not just the, oh, it's the P uh, kit. kit, and there's other things that kind of but go sometimes with Sometimes it could be a coat that can be branded this, yeah. sometimes it could be the scarf. Sometimes it could be the, the coat, the, the scarf, yeah. um, the, the as we say, the, the jumper, the blazer, yeah. the, the shirt, the, well, well, the skirt. Well, 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 we had to buy a, a skirt for this is for the just PE. It was the um, it was the PE skirt, the PE top. There was then like a PE kind of jacket that went over the top of that. Mm. That, was, that all of that was branded, so that all had to be brought from a particular shop. And and my understanding is that there's only one for us to buy it from. Um, so therefore, they had a complete monopoly on price. Uh, which goes against any kind of liberal economic kind of policy that you thought 
particularly this government would be interesting because they they generally kind of favour uh, competition, liberal kind of um, economic policy. Um, so when it comes to schools, we're particularly trapped with just monopolies in a lot of areas where they can only we parents can only buy from one particular shop or one particular store. Um, and then the problem I've also seen again makes the local press is some parent you turns around and, and doesn't buy into the branded stuff and they go to their local supermarket and they yeah. buy the stuff from your local supermarket, which to be fair, you know, I mean, some teachers buy their, their stuff in the local supermarket. Why, why am I going to go spend 300 quid in a suit when I can get one for, for a, a fraction of the price? Yeah. Same issue, same deal. Actually, it is the same deal and same issue, isn't it? When you actually think about that, again, you want to look smart, but, you know, you, you, your, your clothes are very high impact. You actually think, I used to have, oh, when I used to buy nice, nice suits back in the day before I had children, before I reached a certain milestone on my birthday and realised that a suit was also an awkward size for me. But I used to always end up with about 16 jackets and no trousers. That was the odd thing. I always end up going, burning through the trousers like absolute hot knife through butter and then having mismatched jackets. And that was one of the mistakes I made as a young teacher of, of buying, oh, a nice pinstripe, oh, nice little grey pinstripe. And then you, you don't get, you know, so what I started to do is to buy two or even three pairs of trousers, mm. knowing I will wear through those trousers. Because, you know, we, we are high impact. We're constantly walking around. Yeah, yeah. We're constantly, you know, and you break duty. You actually, you know, a school a school uniform needs to be very, that's the other thing, robust. And and kids are uber destructive. All the other thing kids do, they lose so much. Oh, the lost and found. Oh, the yeah. lost and found. It's just like a treasure trove. Yeah. And you go into the lost and found, and there's like parrot trainers here. You know, you think of 70, 80 quid. You know, they don't always look after their yeah. uniform kids. And and I do feel so sorry sometimes when you get a child going and the parent turns around and goes, the child's wearing trainers today because, and then you realise that because the kid's been out kicking football yeah. and, then, and then destroyed their shoes kicking football. And you're like, well, you want the child to go out and kick football and burn mm-hmm. off some energy. But you get this fabergasted parent turning around and you know, like, that's the third pair of shoes they've gone through, the second pair of trousers. And you know, economically speaking, that some of these people aren't in situation to keep buying mm. uniforms. And, they, and you're right, they have to go to a certain stockist and they put a mark up. And, and, and when this crisis that we have at the moment, I, I think that's a good legis- piece of legislation mm. to bring to try and make uniform yeah. more accessible yeah. for people of all backgrounds. I think that's, that's, that's common sense. To yeah. I, th- I think we've had this conversation before. I think I've told this story before on this, in this show, but um, we had a... Um, if we forgot our pee kit, we had there was like a black bin in the corner of the uh, changing rooms. Uh, you, could, you could you could smell it from where you're getting changed, and it was always, "Oh, sir, I forgot my shorts." Or, no problems. You you go straight into the black bin and uh, pull out whatever. And obviously, our school was kind of heavily into rugby, um, so you can imagine that you've got ill-fitting uh, rugby shorts. On. I'm going to show you something. Yep, these. So I'm looking. I'm looking at Brent's trainers. Yep. Yeah. Guess what? Five side game of football after school. Forgot my shoes. Yep. P department turned around and they've been there for a couple of years. Yeah. What are they? Perfect. Perfect pair of trainers. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're often we're often surprised. I mean, about about the amount of stuff that's left in schools clothes clothes wise. I mean, my my, my, my daughter on that on the second day managed to leave her. Um, 
leave a train is at the bus stop. Cardigans. Yeah. My, my daughters go through cardigans like 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 nothing else, and they bite them. Yeah, chewing the chewing the cardigan. Chewing yeah, the yeah, cardigan. yeah. My, my daughter did that. It's obviously a nervous they, thing. Isn't they, it? Yeah, they put their fingers through, so yeah. they've got like almost like the cardigan becomes a glove. <laughs> and then my wife looks at my daughter and like, you know, you've only had that like two weeks. Yeah. Now she is stitching away. So. But it's I, interesting because my wife said straight away because I was because I couldn't understand it, and my wife said straight away, "Oh, that's what I did." So it's almost like a generational thing with uniforms. So oh, funny, uh, I used to chew a penny. I was more. It's funny that when you see you see, you see some of the things again, you've got to empathise. Yeah. You've got to put yourself in, in, into the shoes of the people you're, you're educating. Uh, and again, I, I reflected back on when I was when I was at school. Our uniform, we, we were allowed a jumper, a grey jumper, black trousers, white, white or grey shirt, and then the, uh, a, a purple and I think it was purple and grey tie and and we were quite lucky because the, the grammar school boys all were dressed like you know they were dressed like penguins in black and with a yellow and black tie they, they looked really smart we secondary school kids didn't look as smart but I think I was the only kid in my class that wore a white shirt and I don't know why but I wore a white shirt I'm now thinking back it's probably been a bit of a me back mm. then of like well everybody else is wearing a grey I'm gonna wear a white shirt so that's my it was my little rebellion was I'm the guy in class who's wearing a white shirt with the greyish grey jumper. Mm. And then you know what did I do? I used to tuck in oh no, 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 in the nineties, eighties, nineties. I used to tuck my shirt in. And I used to have one of those belts, you know, one of those belts mm. I used to have the, the, the steel buckle at the oh, end. Yeah, of it. Yeah. And what oh my it was proper cowboy. <laughs> right, the shirt would be tucked in, the jumper would be tucked in. It's like Simon Cowell, younger right version. Up, right up. Oh no, 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 no. But you know what I mean? That's that's so I was as a kid, I did exactly the same. We put our twist on the uniform. Yeah. And then they'd be like, you know, pull it, take your shirt, take your jumper out of here, you know. And I'd be like, as soon as the teacher would go away, I'd be the same. So Paul's put it up, this is after COVID, wore my favourite suit, not bought for teaching to school, and soon realised that the school suits should give a little special in frame. Yeah, comfort needs to be there. Except no, as you bent down, picked up the morning task, which is split completely <laughs> front to back and uh, uh, carrying the car keys, promptly rushed home to change. Ooh. I have had a full trouser split. What, a, a, a full front and back? I've, full I've, front. Never, I've, heard, I've heard of a back split, yeah, uh, but I've heard I, of a full front and back. I got so annoyed with boys nicking each other's footballs, mm. and they kept kicking footballs over to the, the the field next to which, which is, for another bit of a word, is a good place to have a geography field trip for a bog. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's the place where footballs went to die. Mm. So, of course, I just, me being me, got so fed up, and I went, right, I'm going next door, and I went into the bog, in my uniform, in my school school shirt, and I ended up climbing up a tree. Oh, oh wow! So, you, so, 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 so let's get the picture. So you're now up a tree. Yep. In full work clobber. Yep. And then chucking the footballs down, and as I come down, I slid down. Oh tree my! And nearly did the splits. And the trousers, <laughs> the trousers ended up the best part of it. My my colleague who's from Australia, fun enough, he's about seven foot taller than me. So I end up borrowing his structures. Do you, you ever seen the? Do you ever see the scene from Big? Do you know when you and Tom Hanks yeah. is at the very end of Big and he's walking down the street? You know, and he, and, and everything's out of kilter. That's yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. literally like you know, it's, yeah. it's, that was me with those trousers for the rest of the day. And of course, the kids were in hysterics, going like pulling my next door. Again. There's like twelve footballs come back. So I was yeah. a hero. Yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, I mean, the the, 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 the caretaker knew exactly. He's he's like. You know, you injured yourself doing that. I'm like, ah, I'm fine. He says, yeah. but the kids didn't see it. No, the kids didn't see it. He saw it. So health and safety, you know, was a bit of trouble there. Um, would I do it again? I'd probably be a kid on and then yeah, do, it, yeah. do it differently. But that was the thing. It literally front to back and it was so embarrassing. Again, 
you know yourself. That's the thing with kids. Kids forgive you when you have a bit of eccentricity. Mm. So I have split, I have split my own trousers myself. Yeah. Um, I have gone gone to school with my jumper backwards. Gone to the school with the jumper inside out. We've all had uniform yeah, yeah, malfunctions. Yeah. We've all watched. But, but I think, but I think for men, it's, it's, the, it's the trouser split is the is the is the worst. The trouser split's yeah, the worst, yeah. or the 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 sock that somehow got up, the sock that you somehow oh, to, that tucked in yeah, you, yeah. That, that you forgot. From the, from the previous day and somehow still in the very bottom of your suit as you walk by and some sock falls out. We, we've, we've all been we've all been there. We've yeah. all had that sort of that situation yeah. of, of kind of embarrassment. And so do the kids as well. I mean, right at the time you get a kid coming in and it's like, some kid looks like the mud monster of, of the thing, you know, the yeah. small, small beast because they're out playing football in, in God knows what weather and they come in just completely caked in mud. Yeah. And, and you can all, that's the thing, the uniforms need to be robust. Do I believe in them? I think they are important. Mm. I use them very much like I use the sort of slant technique at the start of a lesson. I always say, tuck your shirt in. Um, kids, we wear blazers. Mm. And I always, the kids will always, I'm such a behaviorist, I'm such a BF Skinner. Kids will always turn around, raise, one child will raise their hand and go, sir, and I'll go, yes, you can take your blazer off. So they ask my permission mm. to take the blazer off. I never say no. Is that just part of the formality of what needs to it's happen? Part in of the, the routine yeah. that starts the lesson to say, you're in lesson now, your uniform is at my discretion, provided you ask me in the right way, mm. I will of course allow you to take the uniform off. And the same goes with a hot day. We'll, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll make the judgment on a hot day and take the ties off. Mm. And we did this about, oh, about 10 years. Again, because, because I taught in a really warm classroom, I was a governor at the time, I says, we need a summer uniform. We need a, a summer uniform where the kids can wear um, the polo shirt. The polo yeah. shirt. Because our classrooms, we saw that this year, didn't yeah, we? 40, 40 degrees. 40, yeah, 40, but even inside, this is what I don't think people really recognise in, in schools, is the temperature outside was thus, and the temperature oh. inside then was kind of, as school, as school classrooms are, particularly post-lunchtime, that heat really seems to generate, doesn't it? If, it, if you've got a um, an, an active class yeah. who's been out on the field running around in circles for half an hour, and then they just they don't give them chance any, they no. literally run into class. They, are, they hit your room, and then bang, steam. the radiation from them. Yeah. Oh, I, I, did, I, I, kids of mine got an got an award for a classroom I used to teach in that was bricked either side. It was top floor, mm. bricked either side. Two two windows that opened about two inches. Yeah. And the heat retention in it was, was great. They they mm. came in and did the specific heat capacity of it. They wanted they wanted actually an award for redesigning the classroom because it was mm. such a heat trap, you know. And, and literally it was insulated the whole lot. It was just, everything about that classroom was just a heat trap. And in this and of course me teaching humanities, I had thirty kids, thirty kids, thirty kids. What they found out was when they put thirty kids in the class, that the temperature was three degrees warmer than it was at the start. So by the end of the day, that's yeah, three yeah, on top of three on top of three. And even some of, see some of the winter's days, I had to switch the radiators off permanently. Because with the hot radiators going, they're actually sometimes worse in the winter than it was in the summer. So I'd be turning around to the kids and saying, could you, you know, under your top button, yeah. even take your tie off. Now, I had a senior manager years ago who was quite a stickler for uniform, walks into my lesson once. The kids had their ties off. I had my tie off. And they turned around and they said these words, Mr. Poland, where's your tie? And Mr. Poland was hot and flustered. Mr. Poland was not about to have any of this whatsoever. <laughs> Mr. Poland was probably dehydrated. Mr. Poland was probably close to having his head explode with the yeah. amount of heat coming out of the classroom. So Mr. Poland replied to the senior member of staff, where's yours? It's not fair that you're wearing a dress yeah. and I'm wearing a suit. I had to take that deep in breath. Oh no, I've got yeah. to fight here. Yeah. I? And I, 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 my head teacher and I had a ca casual conversation about it. It says, I don't appreciate the response I got was, the response I got was, well, a tie is male attire. So from that moment onwards, that's where I give the tie the nickname, 
the man shackle. Mm. And since then, I've constantly said, I'm sorry, but why am I wearing a tie when half the staff aren't? Yeah. And I don't think it's fair sometimes that you see some members of staff are wearing professional dress and others you think, oh, come on, be a teacher, look like a chick, what are you doing? And, and I'm not, as a union guy, I would absolutely defend the rights of a member of staff who feels as if their identity is being, you know, being curtailed because they have to wear a certain professional dress code. I've, I've had those conversations where I've defended members of staff. But there's a certain line, isn't there? And there's a certain, there's a certain etiquette. And sometimes people can get really wrapped up in the uniform. You have to have a little bit of flexibility mm. about uniform. That's what I'm saying. You have to have a little bit of news. And you see countries like Australia, they have a completely different summer uniform because they get that. You need kids to be comfortable. Yeah. It's like the water thing, isn't it? We used to have, you know, you think back in our day, we used to never drink water in classrooms. And I think they go too far. And my kids practically can't be five minutes without, you know, how, they must be thinking they're going to the desert for a couple of months. <laughs> because sometimes kids are playing with water bottles. But I think it's good that they are hydrated. I think sometimes yeah. they, they, they go too far with it. Do you think that's a positive thing that's been made? Now we allow water bottles in class as long as they don't interfere with the learning and the kids can casually take a drink of water, problem solved. But again, in our generation, that wasn't the case. In our generation, it was, you know, you never, you never drank water in a class. I don't, yeah, I, I did. We had, we've had this conversation. I don't think I drank water on its own at, no. at all until I was an adult because we actually always had squash or uh, that type of thing. But my, my story is similar to what you said about uh, uh, the criticism of uniform. Um, we were in Saturday morning announcements one morning. Senior leadership stands up and says, um, just a note to say, on school trips, jeans, and I, 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 I will do the, uh, um, the air quotations here, are rarely, rarely appropriate, she said, she said to, the, to the rest of the staff. And then my colleague sat next to me, she said, I went on a school trip yesterday, I think she talked about me. So he went up to her and said, you talk about me because um, everyone was wearing jeans, uh, including the um, RE teacher that was with me. And her response was, but what you got to realise is that some people look better in jeans than others. Oh, <laughs> no. It was, just a, it was just unbelievable. He kind of like, he cowered away going, do I look bad in jeans? I was like, well, to be fair, you don't look as good as him. <laughs> yeah. But it can, it can be a real thing, especially on the trips then, of what is appropriate because yeah, it goes back to Yeah, that's where clarity is important, yeah. isn't it? Where clarity needs to be. And that, it's the same with uniform policies. It's very important, the same with staff, that if you have a uniform policy, that you stick to it. It's like everything else about consistency. Yeah. I sometimes get frustrated that Mr. Stickler for the rules, me, you know, took your shirt and took your shirt and I'm walking down the corridor, took your shirt and took your shirt and took your shirt and... And then wonder why am I the only guy, why am I the only guy talking about shirt tucked in? I think oh that's because I'm the guy here 19 years and knows how important uniform is, and that's again one of those things that's gone by the wayside when it comes to COVID and standards. Mm. And and I think it's it, it's it is obvious it is one of the reasons why your new headship when they come in they attack uniform mm. because I do believe that if you have a good uniform policy a consistent uniform policy mm. it does help set that culture it market, set that tone it, yeah. it puts that yeah. mark it sets your standards and, and and I do believe I do firmly believe that that how the, the appearance of the, the, the child it's again a, that mantra of the child looks like a school child acts like a school mm. child talks like a school child learns like a school mm. child boom I look like a teacher act like a teacher talk like a teacher boom we all know our roles we know the lanes we're in yeah. and we know exactly what's expected of us the same goes for staff as goes for pupils some don't like that because they might see that restrictive but i see that not as restrictive i see that as consistent mm. i see that as normal it's when you start to break and make rules for one and rule for another it's when you start to say you can wear this and you can't wear that 
then you're in a hiding to nowhere yeah. because then it's kind of like, well, that, and you know yourself, the biggest offense the kids have will be, somebody's talking, sir, why are you picking on me? Why are you having to go at me? And that is always, when I've been fighting the school uniform, it's always because one or two people have tested the water. They've got away with it. And it's a bit like appeasement makes the aggressor stronger. The, the more you let that go, then sometimes what happens is some schools and the staff just give up and say, oh, what's well, a good uniform? Yeah, yeah. It's like watching water in the road or watching the TV shows. <laughs> I can't watch them sometimes because I'm kind of like, what are you doing? What's the, what, what, what is the uniform policy in this fictitious school? I can't watch this program any longer. Yeah. So, because I, I just, I think my life's gone, you can't watch any of these programs with me. Why? But just stop. It's, a, it's, it's not a real program. Yeah. I, I watch an educated New Yorkshire. I am watching educated New Yorkshire and going, they're great guys. But I couldn't always watch it sometimes because I'm going like, you're standing in front of the head teacher. The head teacher's got a top button undone. Mm. The kids have got the top button undone. What is going on here? But that's not fair, I suppose, for me to criticise yeah. them because in their context, maybe that was that was what they were dealing with. And, and, and I feel a bit guilty now, being mm. a bit judgy about it. But that's how I feel about it. I feel this, a strong uniform policy is really important for setting the tone, creating the culture and being consistent and being equal because if the uniform is applied equally to everybody, then it's applied equally to everybody and the uniform is a good thing. I believe it's a good thing. But others, well, I suppose yeah. that's for people to decide whether they think it is or not. Yeah. Well, should we, have, should we have a break for the news? Yeah. and then Because we've got, we've got lots to talk about and uh, we've done nearly 50 minutes there, where we want to we did we did say that we kind of do a 20 minute kind of intro but you can see how kind of complex the argument is and we've still got loads to talk about so um let's let's play today's today's news and uh, this week's news and then we'll come back afterwards and we'll continue the debate uh please uh, follow us on twitter uh, or talk to us on the show um as it's our last show we've not had one yet it'd be great to have an actual live caller so if anyone's there uh, that would like to like to call in uh, that'd be great as well. I'd love to have this interaction. We, we just want to see if the kit works, really. We, we've, ne we've never pressed the button. We want to press the button. So please, please, please call in. Let's hear your voices. Let's hear what you've got Tell to say. Tell us your funny uh, uniform yes, story. Yes, funny uniform stories would be great. Have you had a full up-the-tree rip like uh, Brendan? Or, or, or as Paul has had, the, the full the full, the full, full bend, over, bend over boot rip. <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. Yes. Right, we'll see you in a few minutes after today's news. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The BBC has relaunched the 500 Words Writing Competition. The competition was first launched on Radio 2 in 2011 by its then Breakfast Show presenter, Chris Evans. The UK-wide contest continued until 2020, with Evan's successor Zoe Ball. It will return in September and will again be backed by Queen Consort Camilla. It'll also be supported by Sir Lenny Henry. The announcement was made on Thursday the 1st of March, World Book Day, on BBC One's Breakfast News programme. BBC Breakfast presenter John Kay said, We are delighted to be championing 500 words and look forward to stellar entries from talented, aspiring young writers. Up until 2020, the competition had received more than 1 million stories. 
all written by children and adding up to more than 440 million words. Judges on this year's panel will include teachers and librarians, as well as best-selling authors, which will include former children's laureate Mallory Blackman and Charlie Higson, author of five of the Young Bond novels. The grand final will feature 50 of the best entries from two different age categories, and it will take place on World Book Day 2024. WhatsApp messages sent by government ministers and civil servants during the height of the pandemic have been causing a stir in many circles since The Telegraph published its series of stories giving insight into a usually private world. Several teaching unions hit out at what was described as contemptible comments made in the WhatsApps by former Education Secretary Sir Gavin Williamson. In the messages, Williamson appeared to suggest that staff were looking for an excuse not to work during the pandemic. There were also comments made by former Health Secretary Matt Hancock, who referred to teaching unions as a bunch of absolute arses. Sir Gavin was seen to reply, they really, really do just hate work. In a perhaps ill-advised series of tweets this week, Sir Gavin Williamson attempted first an apology, saying the comments were aimed at some unions and that he had the utmost respect for teachers. But many of those replying pointed out that unions are made up of teachers and that cannot be separated. They and union leaders went on to point out that teachers worked throughout the pandemic. National Education Union Joint General Secretary Mary Bowstead went on to say that she hoped that the present Education Secretary Gillian Keegan did not share the contemptuous attitude whilst the current pay dispute continues. Whilst the pay disputes continue in England, they are possibly just getting started in the Channel Island of Guernsey. NASUWT leaders on the island say that local members have voted overwhelmingly in favour of industrial action over pay and workload. According to a report in Guernsey Press, strike action was backed by 9 out of 10 voters who took part in the ballot. 57% of members voted. Teachers in Guernsey have been offered a three-year deal with a 5% increase in 2022, a 7% increase in 2023 and an increase of 1% below inflation in 2024. Meanwhile, in Scotland, the EIS union has suspended all planned strike action after a new pay deal was offered. The 12.3% increase on the current pay rate has been welcomed by EIS leaders, who are said to be recommending its members accept the offer. The union will ballot its members on the deal, which would see teacher pay rise by £5,200 in April. Scotland's Education Secretary has welcomed the suspensions of strike action, but the NESUWT's General Secretary, Dr Patrick Roach, said the offer was paltry, and whilst it would ballot members, its campaign of strike action and action short of strikes would continue. Finally, while strike action causes disruption in schools, the Eastern Daily Press reports that some families have opted for family days out to local tourist attractions. Many of the attractions have created special offers and promotions to make the most of possible extra visitors on planned strike days. Banham Zoo and Africa Alive offered free entry for up to three children per paying adult. A spokesperson for the attraction said they hoped to provide an educational experience for children to learn about the planet and the environment. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
Hello, this week we're going to talk about tech for well-being. We all have tech all around us, but what do you do to strike a work-life balance when technology makes you available 24-7? During the pandemic, parents having the ability to directly message or email teachers increased, and for good reason. The issue now is some schools have continued to maintain this communication. Here are a couple of ideas to let tech make your communication a little easier. First, you need to read your school's policy on replying to messages. This will outline what you're expected to do. A lot of systems have an auto response or an out of office reply. When you're taking a break, switching this on can send an automated message to let people know you will respond in a timely manner. Here is where you could quote the school's policy. Do not disturb is another setting you could use to stop devices notifying you between set times that you decide. You can also set this so certain people like family and friends can still alert you. Delayed response is a setting in a lot of email applications. If you want to create emails at unsociable times, you can set them to send at specific times, allowing you to work when you like, but not go against any timing set out in school policy. Why not tell us what you do with tech for your well-being at TT Radio Official? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back there, and um, I will tell you what the um, my tutees did to me in retaliation for year nine with uh, the uniform. No, um, I used to have long, flowing hair that was quite wet down my back. It was, okay. you know, it was my it was my mane. You had, a, you had a bit of a trim today. Had a bit of a trim today, but I, I, I did have, and it became my signature thing. I did have nice, you know, really. And um, so what they said was, they came to me and says, "Look, sir, I'm going to shave your head." I says, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Gonna tidy you up." I says, "What do you mean? You're going to get..." <laughs> Cut your hair. So they came to me and said, well, there's a charity. Uh, and the charity actually they chose was uh, the Holocaust charity, I think, uh, the Aegis Trust, yeah. which is based in Newark, which is based in the Holocaust Memorial Centre. So they knew they picked a, a good historical thing for me. And um, So the kids had to come into the hall and and I'd pay, you know, I think it was 50p or a pound or something, what it was, to watch me have my head shaved. So I said to the head teacher, says, look, they're going to shave my head no more than, than grade three or four. So I'll do a full shave, but you know, I've got the clippers, the, the professional clippers. Ah, there's a video of this. And to this day, I can't figure out whether that guard fell off. Because <laughs> when the guard fell off, it was like something from a, a movie, you know, when they kind of, yeah. and literally, that was it. There was a big, giant, scalped line yeah. that went straight up. And it was like, um, uh, basically, it was straight up this, the middle. And they looked around, and never forget, one of the guards goes to me, Sorry, it's the guards fell off. It's 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 down to unguarded. Yeah. And I just go right, take the whole lot off. They absolutely scalp full scalping, yeah. And and I thought, you you and now one of the girls is actually now a teacher. And if <laughs> she came in to teach her training in school as well, the first thing she said, Do you remember the time you scalped me? You scalped and the, and her response was, Well, that's what you get for calling us out about our makeup when we were here night. <laughs> and I thought it, it was absolute pay. But six hundred and fifty pounds towards charity yeah, yeah. And, and I got a new haircut for a while. Yeah. But I never forget the, the 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 humbling experience. But that was about the relationships, you know, they knew, you know, I cared about them. And it was because I cared about them, I challenged them on the on, on the uniform because I wanted them. I wanted them to look the part. I wanted mm. them to be professional. I wanted them to be. I did make a mistake. I did push them in a certain direction, but it came from a good place. They understood that. One of the, one of the parents turned and said to me, "Goes, I, I love Mr. Paul in the bits. He, he, you know, he, my, my daughter thinks the world of him, but he might have got it wrong on the uniform. He's <laughs> dealing with teenage girls after all." Yeah. And now, as a parent, it's interesting with a bit more maturity. I sort of realise actually, um, mm, 
probably did more back than good. But I realised yeah. the mistake and then made up with it and in the end it turned out okay. So I think with uniform, like everything else, it does take a little bit of compromise, doesn't it? It does yeah. take a bit of buy-in. It does take a little bit of the fact that the uniform needs to be appropriate. And I think when you see those news articles in, in, the, new, in the newspaper, maybe sometimes it is the school being unreasonable. Maybe sometimes it is the parent being unreasonable. Maybe sometimes it's the child being unreasonable, but all should work together to come up with something, I think. And it's because when they're out of kilter, when the parents making demands about school uniform, they don't buy into it. Mm. Maybe it's the kids that don't buy into it. Maybe because they haven't been explained the culture behind the uniform, the good thing about the uniform. Or maybe sometimes you know it's the teachers themselves. Oh, I'm sick of trying to get these kids to conform to the uniform. So that was my take on that. Um, yes, Paul, it, it, we're, it's the last Sunday lunch yeah. show that we're doing, but we are going to be doing um, Teachers Talk Radio in, during the week. And we are going to upload some podcasts yeah, and stuff as well. So it's it, the last it, it, of this yeah. slot. I mean, it might be. We've, we've not fully decided yet. But so we, we do want to maybe put something up as a conversational thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, because you, you're right, this has worked. We, we were just talking earlier about uh, how much we've enjoyed it as well. Oh, uh, but uh, just, just unfortunately, uh, external pressures uh, <laughs> of, of our wives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wives and children. Yeah. Wives Sunday. and children on mm, Sundays. Yeah. It, it's, it's taking a bit of a hit. But yeah. uh, we, we, yeah, we like that. I think I'd like to take this opportunity to thank uh, Tom and oh, yeah. uh, for getting in contact with us and allowing us this opportunity to do this. Um, the Teacher Talk Radio team is fantastic with the stuff that goes up in the week. We're evolving. Helping us. We're evolving. Um, yeah, that's nice in the yeah. week to, to have that kind of community as well. Um, and there's still fantastic shows oh, yeah. uh, that people yeah. can 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 do it. So uh, we're we're kind of pausing the Sunday bit for for um, we both got young kids and we just need a bit of time on Sunday yeah. just to get organised for the week because it's getting a bit chaotic. But we'll be doing um, some Twitter spaces during the week. Yeah. Um, some some slots for people to in to ring in and, and more of that and and the you know podcasts as well. They'll be downloadable. Um, so no, we're we're just changing the format yeah. slightly, but yeah. we're not go- we're not going anywhere. We love what we're doing, yeah. uh, and we obviously just want to evolve what we are doing as well. Yeah. Um, so that was the, that's my take on yeah. uniform. Uh, list a couple of couple of news stories. Yes, yeah, so we just go through this this week's news on in uniform, a bit more detail. Yeah. On uniform. So mm. this, these are the actual ones, and this is what prompted this: is that we have pupils humiliated by school skirt length inspections. Female pupils said they were left humiliated over enforcement of a uniform policy at a Merseyside school. Girls were made to enter the high school in St Helens separately to boys and have their skirt length inspected by male teachers. They claimed hundreds of people staged a protest on how the rules which left them feel some pupils in tears had been imposed. The school said the implementation of the uniform policy was carried out by staff, both male and female, with more than 1,000 people have signed a petition against the policy, calling it outdated and ridiculous. Now I'm going to make a confession to you. About 10 years ago, we were given a small, tiny, little measured piece of wood, mm-hmm. off which one of the instructions we were given, oh God, I don't know if I can actually say this, was to measure the length of the knee to the skirt at 15 inches. Um, none of the male staff actually said, we're not doing that. So I actually, as the union rep, was like, why not? come on, we're not doing that. Now. That seems completely ridiculous now, and, and, and it would never be proposed now. It's just again shows you how things have changed quickly. Um, we, our pastoral team, has um, some of the female staff who take what we call the sort of like those issues sensitively because we are well aware that it is a little bit different for the girls and the boys. Um, and again, one of the things that we decided to do a while back was to bring trousers in. Mm. And, and I was in the governing body at the time, and, and there was some old school pushback of it's always been a skirt for the girls and, 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 and trousers for the boys. Um, what I did was, 
was. I involved the student body, the head hedge pupils, the, the the school council, and they put together a really good package. What they also did was they surveyed, they surveyed the parents, they surveyed the parents, they surveyed the pupils, and they surveyed the governors. And the groundswell of the school community was, we want to change a uniform. And it was very hard for the, the old diehards to ignore that because what you got then was you got buy-in and you got people saying this is what we want the uniform to change and much like everything else as soon as we change to, to trousers for boys and girls mm-hmm. there's hardly there's only a few girls that wear trousers but they still have the option to do it now i what i'd like to do next with that is i'd like to move to a situation where boys be able to wear shorts yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think my especially my, in the summer, my daughter's primary school has <laughs> they have a thing where I don't know if it's kind of a historic thing about uh, uh, the boys trying to wear shorts as long as possible into the winter, and that's a kind of um, it's like a thing that's been going on for years at, at their school where there's a kind of historical thing of and I yeah. don't know if it's some of the dads have said to the boys that when I was young, we had this game where we'd see how long we could wear shorts for. Um, <laughs> but some of, the, some of the lads, they really are pushing it right into the middle of the winter. They're still wearing yeah. shorts. Um, but there's, there's a practical element to uh, uniform, isn't there? As well as, so it's, where, it's whether the skirt is actually a practical thing for, yeah. for girls to wear during the school day, uh, not only to hold their like, modesty, but also actually, is it something they can still be an active part? You think about maybe um, in a lesson where you want to do something a bit more active, yeah, is the school is the school dress and it's your skirt itself or the dress a practical thing for them to actually be using? Or would trousers and shorts be better generally? But for... it's also awkward as well when, and it is awkward. You have to turn around to a member of staff and say to another member of staff, "I don't feel comfortable telling that young girl to that her skirt is yes, a certain length." Yeah. And I'll avoid that conversation, but I'll subtly say to another member of staff, "Could you have that conversation?" Mm. But equally, it's the same as it's the same as staff members. You know, you. I've had situations again as a union rep where I've had to go to a staff member and say, "Look, I know they're so lovely shoes. I know you think they're fantastic, mm. but please, you know, I mean, they're not appropriate." And people need clarity. Is that clarity of, you know, you have to turn around, and have to have those awkward conversations. But again, it's a setup, isn't it? If mm. you if you have a school uniform that can be corrupted that way and can be changed that way, then you need to change the school uniform. Mm. And I know that one of the the schools where I grew up, um, what they did was they made the skirts. What we used to call caravans, and they were like the skirts that went down to their ankles. Mm. It was such a Catholic school thing, unbelievable. And basically, they made the skirts these big, giant, almost I don't know how to describe them. The things oh. that you put on the toilets, <laughs> the, the, the toilet, the yeah, to- toilet yeah. covers, like, like curtains, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, yeah. were, they were they were like you know you could make them probably into curtains mm. because they they wanted their, the, the girls to look prim and proper, and it was a very traditional school, and that's how they wore the skirts, of course. Um, because it is about expression, isn't it? And, and I get why some people, you know, support their child expressing themselves. But it's when you see, you know, the haircuts is another one as well. When you're like, you know, the, the child goes to the barbers and, and, and they sneak away. And you get that sometimes about her, her policy, about no tram lines, no colour, this, that, the other. And again, it's, a, it's about that buy-in. If, if the parents turn around to their child and say to their child, um, they want this haircut, my child can have this haircut, and they disobey the school rules. You often get sometimes the parent knowingly disobeying the school rules on uniform and fighting the school. And you're thinking, you're going about this the wrong way. Yeah. No wonder your child. I mean, what are you teaching your child? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. I kick off. I go to the local press. And I'm going to say, I'm sick and tired of seeing in the local press somebody who's like, my child been discriminated against. They went to the barbers. They got a haircut. What's wrong with this haircut? The school's being dragged. And you think, I'm sorry. Come on. They're the school rules. Yeah. 
you are no different, your child is no different, and if you think the world is going to, well, sorry, police officer, I can do 35 mile an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone, who do you think you're talking to? And it really grinds my gears that sometimes, because you're like, right, it's not the right way, it's not the best way to go about getting what you want. Yeah, I guess, the, local press I guess and, there's always that thing, like <sighs> using the example that you did there, it's like that example of kind of policy, which is an evolving thing. And kind of a legal, a legal uh, framework which we don't have. In, do we have a legal framework for uniform ah, that's it. Is, is well, what you guys Now, yeah, what is sorry. interesting about it, especially for for staff, you should bring your keyboard. Oh, I'm on one. Um, so, what, what's interesting about it is is that there isn't for staff, so to speak. Mm. Um, many schools have dress codes, uniform policies, and rules in appearance. There's no legislation that deals specifically with school dress code or aspects of appearance. If your school has decided on a dress code, the document provides advice on how to develop your policy or review if you have one. So that's it. And I'm getting this from my union, um, who obviously have got guidance on it. It is for the governing body, trust management board, a governing body, a relevant responsible body of the school to decide whether they have your school dress code or policy and the content of that policy. So it's up to an individual school to have a policy on their dress code and it's up to their discretion what that policy is. Any decision made should be on the basis of a consultation with the school's leadership, pupils, parents, and carers. That's so exactly what I'm saying. Mm. If somebody wants a new, new, new haircut policy, go to the school governing body, go to your head teacher, get the kids on board, get the governors on yeah. board, get the trust on board, win your argument that way. But this petulance that you get of like, oh, I'm sick and tired of this school uniform policy. Fine, take your child to another school. They've got no school uniform. Get, I get really enraged with it sometimes. We're like, you want to fight against us? Fine. Work within the system, work within the rules, change the rules if you want to change the rules, evolve your school policy, work within the school uniform policy, you know, be reasonable. But this absolute, everybody has to get what they want analogy, it's just absolutely destroying schools. Yeah. Because, you know, getting the support sometimes, and, and the majority of parents, the majority of kids are absolutely fine, as long as you're quite clear and you have clarity and as long as you've got common sense policies and as long as your school uniform doesn't cost you know half a mortgage most people are okay yeah. with it so when it's when it goes on to say that the policy should not contradict human rights and yes pu um, um, public sector quality duty yes can you just give could you give you an example of how a uniform could contradict human rights you think i mean how, so how, how would that kind of protect clash? the characteristics and yeah. i think this is where we're going to have some sticky wickets in the yeah. next couple of years when it comes to protected characteristics so Say, for instance, it's a religious school and you're saying to the boys, and we, we had this situation where at sixth form, yes, at sixth form, I like to goatee. Mm. Hello, goatee beard. So I was one of those kids that could grow a moustache at 14. You know what I mean? I, I, I was cool. You know what I mean? I had sideburns when yeah, I was 15. Me too. So, uh, yeah, you, you, you do that thing. You know, you, you always get some of the boys, don't you, with their whiskers coming in. And, and they start expressing their identity and they yeah. start. But my sixth form insisted that we were clean shaven. And around about the time I discovered I could grow facial hair, they wanted to remove my facial hair, which I was extremely <laughs> But they actually insisted that we were clean shaven. Yeah. Now, there's nothing within my religion that says that I have to be clean shaven. But in some religions, obviously beards are part mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And in some religions, the hairstyle is part of. And we've seen that, of course, as well, haven't we, with... Um, you know, uh, part of some cultures about certain hairstyles yeah. and certain hair appearances. Yeah, yeah. And you have to, you have to take in the context of the setting of what you're teaching in. Mm. And you have to be, I think, a little bit flexible, but again, consistent. So if you turn around and say, if a person is from a certain cultural background, that's acceptable. Um, and, and, and you have to be 
you know, tolerant to a certain extent. We are in a multicultural society. So the school uniform should not discriminate based upon any of the protected characteristics. And that also goes for staff, doesn't staff, it? Yeah, yeah. And that goes for, for gender, gender identity, sexuality, race, religion, all of that. Um, and that, that, that is, can be tricky to find. But again, it is about how you find that, how you find that happy medium of making sure you protect those protected characteristics and allow a uniform that is flexible enough to allow for everybody to be able to express themselves, but having some sort of set standard and a clarity where you're saying everybody knows what the uniform policy is. And also that the community, the teachers, the governors, the trust, wherever it is, has that policy and that it's an ever-changing living document mm-hmm. because uniform policy should be changing all the time depending on what's going on in our society climate change in our classrooms hello some are uniform so that's it's it's that's 40 degree classrooms never had that before mm-hmm. that needs us to have a rethink about what we're putting the children if your classrooms are going to be overheating that that does mean being a little bit flexible and having a little bit of a conversation about is it appropriate to have children dressed in these clothes in this heat no, it's not. So let's change the uniform to match accordingly. But there isn't. That's again one of those things you sort of think to yourself that needs probably clarity. And like they've done with the Education and Guidance and School Uniforms Act of 2021, maybe maybe be moving towards a time when the government legislates for school uniform. As you see with all that map of those countries you're talking about, maybe they have, you know, uh, policies in some countries where the children have to wear a uniform. It's been mandated from the central government. But we're moving to a point now where education has all become devolved, doesn't it? The local trusts have the ability to raise their own. So as long as they're within certain legislation of human rights acts, but you get me my kids, and yeah, I'm telling you, some of my kids know their rights. Yeah, They'll push the boundaries now. This is we see with these school strikes. So you take those school strikes when those children are saying, you know, their human rights are being infringed upon. Mm-hmm. And they might have a point. You, you, you know what I mean? Saying that girls should wear... Having... The sound of it is, doesn't sound good when you have male members of staff, and I'm not getting into that story whether that's true or not, but you have male members of staff telling young girls, you know, what length to wear their skirts. The optics don't look good, but that's not fair on teachers to put, it's not fair to put the teachers in that situation in the first place to set them up like that, because we're, we're, we're sometimes just merely following the instructions of what the policy is. So. Yeah. It's a chalk. Oh gosh, it's it's a minefield, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But what, one of the one of the key factors that we looked at, and we're going to have to, we've got, we've got fifteen minutes, so we need to kind of just go through some of the key points. Um, the school in Derbyshire. I mean, I need I need worked there a couple of years ago. Um, I've got friends that work there. So, um, Auntie Gel in Worksworth mm. in Derbyshire um, is kind of it is. I've, I've just shared the article on the Guardian article on Twitter for people to look at as they read. Um, but they start to pose this question about academic and school achievement and uniform, and, it, and is is there a link within it? Um, well, there's this is a case of it having no impact uh, on it. Um, however, Ofsted um, Ofsted have said. Um, actually sorry it's largely coming from the conservative party uh, quote here uh, is that the best performing schools tend to have similar if not the same best practices including uh, strict um, school uniform policies with blazer tie shirts and a zero tolerance on incorrect or untidy um, dress um, now there's a case sitting quite close to us here of a school that has, as far as I'm aware, never Found had away. never had any uniform. Mm. And um, I mean, if you look, if you look at the picture that comes with it, 
when we say no uniform, we mean wear what you want. That's fascinating. Um, but it has, it's, it's offset good. It has good outcomes, uh, good pathways for the pupils that leave. Um, as Do they use the first names for the teachers? I wonder. Don't believe so. I mean, it'd be interesting if if we could be interesting. What else goes with the uniform? Yeah. If you take control conditions, is it just the uniform? Is it selective? Is it that the children buy? Is it the parents buy into it? By definition, the parents send their children there. Yeah. Have the cultural. Yeah, well, capital, well as, as I say, I mean, it works with itself as an area. It's a very old mining area. Yeah, industrialised. Well, yeah. well, it has, but it, but it's but it's kind of evolved over the last twenty years True. as a very kind of. Um, arts-based kind of community mm. um, if you go for a walk through the village up over the kind of quarries uh, you'll see all sorts of artwork on display they have a regular arts trail yeah. it's got a big kind of arts community within it's it discovered itself um, really. so it's, re it's really yeah. discovered itself out of that there is still a lot of hidden poverty there etc yeah. etc et so yeah. um that's also there it's also got a big agricultural world and haulage kind of community around it as yeah. well so it's not just that the Art community, I suppose the the right wing would say this is the woke karate that's just completely engulfed this area. And well, this would be the opposite of your, you know, but your verbal scenes yeah. and, and, and places like that. Well, it's, but it's not true. Trusts. I mean, the area itself, Derby Dales, is very conservative, isn't it? I mean, oh, or, yeah, or, 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 always yeah. has been kind yeah. of um, socially and economically. Um, but traditional as well. You would, you'd also say, you know, socially conservative in that yeah. sense yeah. of, you know, more more rural tends to be more socially conservative, doesn't yeah. it? More urban tends to be more. So what we're really saying is you'd expect to find that in some urban inner city London school rather than some uh, rural urban fringe of, of Nottinghamshire Derbyshire. You know, that's 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 fascinating. But, but then that needs further investigation. That needs to be replicated across. But maybe is it because, like I was saying, maybe because if there's an agreement from the parents, agreement from the pupils, agreement from, you, you know, that they behave themselves. M maybe one of the reasons why my non-uniform days are such terribly behaved mm. is because when you have the children sort of you know, uniform, 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 and then you unleash the valve, then does that kind of become an issue? If they had non-uniform all the time, they'd find their natural gravitas. They'd find their, yeah. their not, they, it becomes less of a less of a problem. Well, I, th I think this is the thing, and, and one of my friends who works there now has said that actually he spends so little time talking about uniform, it enables him just to get on with, with the lessons. Which is my clip-on tie yeah, situation, yeah, because yeah. I used to spend a lot of time with clip-on tie. Yeah. You know, um, Get, get you know get get your tie get your tie done up bang clip on tie don't talk about that any longer yeah. so same with you know same with the skirt length in some schools if they go trousers they have no more problems with the skirt length yeah. but let me just read you this one this is interesting gender neutral uniform sparks protest at a school police been called to a school police have been called to a school after people stage a protest against a proposed gender neutral uniform in Oxfordshire uh, they wanted to make trousers compulsory for all students and that's the thing they wanted to make trousers compulsory for all students it said it wanted to empower girls uh, sorry empower people sorry um but it's empower pupils but admitted that it also came about because some girls were rolling up their skirts at that eternal issue um to make them shorter following the school apologized for not consulting properly with pupils and parents that kind of backs up what i'm saying doesn't it in a statement issued after the protest the school executive head teacher said they underestimated the strength of feeling on the issue so there it goes. If you're going to change the uniform, you've got to bring people with you. You've got to talk yeah, to the kids. Yeah. You've got to talk to the governing body. You've got to bring parents. You've got to... That's that intrinsic buy-in again, yeah, yeah. isn't it? But, but but that's the thing. I don't think that... Secondary... And that was well-intended. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they were 
they were probably trying to do something well intended, yeah. but forgot to take people along with them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many secondary schools do you know? Maybe this is a, a wider question generally. But how many secondary schools do you know that have an active parent voice? Like an actual active, not not sending them a survey once a year, honestly, or when Ofsted come, but actually, kind of, they're in the they're in the school all the time, like primary schools are. I think governing bodies have been very weakened as a result of academic trusts. Mm. I think I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not going to be as controversial as I could be on it, but academic trusts are less connected to the communities they serve sometimes as opposed to when schools were under local authority and were more grounded in the local community. When your governing body used to have a lot more people in it. And I think maybe that's that's where you've lost that connection and lost that buy-in. And maybe that's what you're seeing with some of these parents where they feel as if they're being dictated to rather than rather than talk to as equals. You know, And, and maybe that's the strength of feeling that comes across some of these stories. It's yeah. kind of like, they have no say in their child's, you know, their child's education. They have no say in their child's appearance. They have no say in the policy. Whereas, like everything else, if you involve people in the policy, let them evolve the policy, you get buy-in. Of course, yeah. And when there's no fashion democracy thing about that, isn't it? That's democratization, isn't it? When people are involved, when people are empowered, when people take part, when people feel it's theirs, people will buy into it. And then that's what your, you know, your non-uniform school mm. says: is you have to involve those people because what are the parents having to do? Buy the uniform, get the kids to yeah, wear the they, uniform. Yeah. They're fighting a fight too, as well, aren't but, they? But it's not just that; is that uh, you don't want that issue when the child comes home and the parents saying, "Well, don't worry about that." You want it's really hard to get a collective buy-in if they, if they weren't involved. Process no. uh, a part of, but part if they don't believe in it subconsciously so yeah. or even consciously, they pass that on to their children. Oh, god, you wear that, yeah, I hit that uniform, yeah, you know, oh, god, you know, maybe so, so, schools that don't have the uniform yeah. problems is because they accept it. Oh, that's their uniform, I'm proud of that uniform, you look good in that yeah. uniform, and they believe in the yeah. uniform. So, so, it's actually as, as the uniform become the point of conflict because the parents feels dislocated from the school Possibly. and actually this is the point that they're going to have that kind of argument and if you strip down some of those news stories and you could go through every local, local news press the, the the daily bugle for the local community where you come <laughs> from and they'll guarantee there would be a, a parent who's saying my child's been excluded they've, they've had and then the un, undercurrent of that will be sometimes the child's got other other complex needs yeah. sometimes there's, there's there's more goes yeah, yeah, on yeah, doesn't yeah, it yeah and it's not always universal sometimes there is a story there is a story behind it, but I often feel sorry for that parent. But I think, why have you gone to the press? And maybe they've gone to the press because you're right. Maybe they are frustrated. Maybe they 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 do feel that they they have to have no other course of action. But I do feel very sad that that's come to that because you'd want that person to feel as if there is a mechanism in place that they can affect some change. Yeah. That the the Democrat in me feels strongly about that. That's one of the reasons why I spoke to my my head boy and head girl back in the day and saying, "You want a summer uniform." Go to the governing body, go to the students, go to the teachers, go get the support for it, mm. and then you'll be able to change that. Be because you, you know, that's what you have to do, don't you? You have to work hard to make changes sometimes. But people think petulantly breaking the rules. That's the thing. People think that going against and breaking the rules and then having a mini rebellion tends to get conflict, doesn't it? it tends yeah. to create conflict. And then what happens then is that, that the lines are drawn and nobody budges, nobody compromises. So... That what we're proving here is that to change school uniform, that's the way to go about it, is, is to get involved. Here's an interesting one for you. School replaced girls' mirrors with motivational quotes. That's this week. So in Worcester, a school has been criticised by parents, again, criticised by parents, after replacing mirrors in the girls' lavatories with motivational quotes, saying they should avoid wearing makeup because 
guys fall for natural beauty. Okay. The school put up the posters after concerns that the bathroom had become a congregational social area. Really? Have they ever been to a nightclub? <laughs> <laughs> Hello? The slogans included, beauty is nothing without brains. Dear girls, makeup is a harmful drug. This is kind of where I was all those yeah, years ago and had my head shaved. Um, once you start, start using it, you'll feel ugly without it. The head teacher said uh, mirrors have been removed temporarily after a period of misuse where the toilets have become a congregational social area with older students blocking the path to the toilets while they socialise and often late for lessons. However, the decision was criticised by parents and one of them said the quotes are degrading. This is not the message we want to be sending our extremely impressionable girls as young as 11. I see both sides. Again, well-intentioned. I get the frustration. I know what they're trying to do, but have they gone about it in the right way? Would you put that out to parents and say, look, parents, what do you think? Yeah. And what would they have got? Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very challenging one, isn't it? Because, um, you know, children, again, I'm not a kind of uh, anthropologist on this, but I presume that there has been young people have always, you know, done something for their own looks and style over over, over years, over years anyway, haven't they? Um, You know, whether it's their argument that the the makeup and the look of somebody is becoming like a toxic thing in itself within the school. I mean, it's, it's but that could be that... taken as a personal criticism. And again, I, yeah. I'm holding my hands up and saying I'm, I'm out at myself as having made that mistake yeah. all those years ago and paid the price of having my head shaved yeah. for it. But, I'm but, contrary but, enough to but, know but, but where you, where yeah. you, what, what you're doing, what you don't do. Yeah. But that it was always going to yeah. backfire. In this day and age, yeah. again, well-intentioned. I know what you're trying to do. You're yeah. trying to motivate young girls to, to, to be serious academics. But we're going about yeah. that. I mean, if you've got a problem with with, with, with that going on at toilets, then we're back to, we're back to yeah. this issue about toilets. Because I know, I know you for know, me, you know, I know for me, because during, during that period of like 13, 16, me and my brother had absolutely horrific acne during that period. And um, we, we, we kind of wanted, you know, if there, if there, would, if there had been a product... Uh, that could help us kind of conceal some of that. Uh, we, we probably, probably would have worn yeah. it now. Um, so, are you by are you kind of simplifying an actual very deep under a thing about um, that age group and that uh, notion about trying to fit in and not how they feel about themselves? Is it as obvious as just removing a mirror? I mean, you've got you've got it on your phone, you've got it in reflection. Yeah. You see yourself. I understand the point they're trying to make. Then it's this kind of well-intentioned yeah. point of actually, there's more to you than just your beauty. But but, or, or, or but removing mirrors in, in, in a girl's bathroom, yeah. putting up motivational quotes that are yeah. deemed seemingly quite patronising yeah. in itself is kind. Come on. Yeah. I mean, come, is, there, come is, on. is there anything wrong, for example, of of going to the bathroom? And then just looking at yourself in the mirror quickly and just smarting yourself up before the yeah. next, next I thing. I mean, the hidden yeah. thing, what they're yeah. saying there is, is what a lot of schools are struggling with at the moment, is that schools schools and toilets issues, which we, we've talked about before, about one school getting to the point where they lock the toilets for safeguarding issues. Yeah. And, and I think, again, that's back again to other issues connected to yeah, what's yeah. going on with behaviour in school, control of behaviour, post-COVID, what's going on with the you know the routines, what's going on with, with the curriculum, what's going on with so many different things that kids are wanting to leave lessons to hang around toilets. Yeah. Kids have always wanted to go to the toilet and hang around in different places. Yeah. Kids, this, it's eternal. I remember one of my friends used to, used to get purposely sent out a lesson so he could go to the toilet to have, have a cigarette. 
because that was the thing that used to be back in when I was at school, was mm. kind of like getting purposely chucked out of lessons at a certain time mm. in order to go. And, 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 and that's one of my best friends used to do. And I wasn't a smoker. He could get smokers and non-smokers. I was chewing them sports to be a smoker. But that's what he used to do. He used to he used to pick a certain teacher that he knew he'd get removed from, get him removed, and then go to the toilet and have a sm yeah. have smoke. And then he'd come back and sit beside me, and I'd be like, mate, you're sponsored by, you know what I mean, Benson and Hedges. Yeah. And, and it literally, it was, it, it, and the teacher must have known, but that's what was happening. And that was, what, back in the 80s, 90s. Mm. So there's always been this eternal issue about, you know, toilets and, to and, and kids going to the toilet and misbehaving mm. and everything else. But to replace mirrors, and specifically, again, the girls, you know, that's the, you, when you tar you, you're, you're targeting a group of students and saying to these group of students, um, you know, your appearance is, is a problem. You've gone about that. It could be, yeah, you know, again, would that be considered a breach of, of human rights? Mm. Be because under under that law, you're targeting a group of people and saying there's something about mm. them. And so mm. I, I think we, we, have, we have to have a conversation about uniform the purpose of uniform at a national level. And maybe that's what research action research needs to be done, not school. We probably need to have a bigger conversation about a lot of things. This is not one of those things about school uniform buy-in. But I do believe we're right. We're onto something about the buy-in of parents yeah. and about the disconnect of parents to schools and that's bound to relationships. Because the thing is, the, the, the parents of the students who I got it wrong with when I had to go with their, their, their uniform, they forgive me because they knew deep down I had their, their best interests at heart. Yeah. And kids forgive me. Because and, and because they knew that I cared about, but I worked hard in that relationship. And if schools don't have staff with have those relationships uh, built up because there's retention problems, it's all connected, isn't it? Yeah. You mean if your school uniform policy is not something you completely buy in, but you still like the school, you might not be triggered by it as much. You might say, "I let that go." But if you're angry about other things going on with the school, as you say uniform becomes that thing that they can pick upon and go, see, this school is terrible because they've done this about you. And mm. I think that's uniform is a bit of a stick to beat some schools yeah. up with at the moment, isn't it? Anyway, let's, let's try and finish yeah. our last show on time. So quickly, uniform, yes or no? Always, yeah. Okay, I, I, th I think it's a yes for me as well, but I think I'd like to see a much more practical uniform uh, that allows students to uh, be a bit more active and comfortable uh, during during the lesson. I, I, I personally would go for a kind of polo shirt uh, style certainly for the younger years, and uh, maybe you can increase it up to a kind of more formal wear. Yeah. As as the pupils get older, um, and I think there has there's got to be a flexibility within uniform uh, for people negotiated Neg by the community yeah, and the parents yeah, and the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think we'll come to a, we'll, we'll come to a kind of understanding yeah. of that. But I think the key thing is uniform has to be negotiated. Yeah. So wider. yeah. So that's a, that's a bigger issue. Maybe we could maybe, Consent. We, could, maybe we can come back to that as a, as a as a podcast in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, what is the this the um, relationship with the school and the community and why that is important? I well, I think that underpins a lot of other issues going on. So. Um, don't forget, this show has come to us in partnership with John Cat Education, who's a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides, magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out the releases? Um, some fantastic stuff in John Cat. I keep every time I do this, I keep checking stuff out and going more books than I, than I have time to read. But that's a good thing, and and some cracking titles titles in there. We've got my favourite, The Sage on the Stage by Michael Schreichstadt, and and that's reflections on teaching and learning because I think I'm a bit of a sage on the stage. 
old school uh, chalk and talk, pedagogical, uh, Socratic. Um, and they're in the Rainforest, um, Teaching in Real Classrooms by Tom Sherrington looks really good as well. So that's on my list as well. Uh, so please check out their titles, uh, some cracking CPD, and please don't miss out. Uh, also, we're also always on the hunt for new talent, new presenters, and new individuals to come and join the collective hive mind, yeah. which is Teachers Talk Radio. Yes, you can come on this Sunday. Uh, but equally, we're always looking for presenters, we're looking for contributors, we're looking for people to chip in. It's one of the things about teaching we love is the interaction, the banter, uh, and just the general sort of sharing of, of anecdotal stories is always good. So uh, we, we are a very diverse bunch, and you'd be more than welcome to come and join us and present and have a go at it. You, you might find you might like it like we, we, we do. Um, Sunday's a busy day for Teacher Talk Radio. There was a weekly review show that was uh, myself, Lucy, John, and, and Leanne this morning. And we were talking about uh, Gavin and um, Mark Hancock's texts. Mm -hmm. We are talking about the International Baccalaureate and Chatbot. We're also talking about the sacking of the head teacher as a result of breach of um, uh, data because of what happened during the strike. So you can listen to that. And also, if you get a chance to listen back to the NEU showdown, which was Tom's uh, Friday night um, one and a half hour uh, hosting session, which was, was was basically Teachers Talk Radio's version of Jeremy Paxman. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and fairly done as well, and uh, very professionally done. So if you're still struggling with who to vote for in the upcoming NEU elections, that might help you decide. And, and equally, if you are interested to see who could be potentially leading the largest teaching union, then you can have a listen into that. That would you get all of our shows, including that and today's show, on where you get your podcasts from. So this is our final Sunday. I'm going to watch the football later on. And yeah, I don't know what we're doing this afternoon. I might um, mark, go, mark go, yeah, marking just do a bit of prep for for Monday as always. Um, we said that, that was going to be a Sunday thing, wasn't it? The kind of how do you prepare for the week, and we've kind of navigated on something else, which think which works quite well. Uh, thank you to everyone at um, Teacher Talk Radio. Uh, it is a proper radio station. Oh, we are a proper radio station. Don't, don't, don't let the criticism on Twitter kind of... Uh... Yes, I may have got myself into a bit of a Twitter swat, yeah. spat with a shock yeah. jock from a rival a rival yeah. talk radio station, which yeah. which is well beneath us because we're, we're so yeah. much more intelligent, yeah, factual yeah. and knowledgeable. Yeah, we can, we, can, we can actually back our stuff. Oh, well, and, right. I, and I put some stuff up on Twitter today so people can follow along. Um, so listen out for us on uh, social media during the week or promote what we're doing next absolutely yeah. and thank you to paul today for his contributions and for his yeah. anecdotal Cheers, story of his treasures being split god bless um, and thank you for all that you've done um listening in to us please uh, like share subscribe as they say on youtube yeah. and we'll, we'll, we'll obviously talk to you again in about two weeks time. Yeah. and true to form we've gone three minutes over it's only five <laughs> should we just keep talking to five keep, minutes we could just keep going could we yeah who, who, thinks, who thinks we should carry on for two minutes um, so just quickly then, while, while we're, we, we, we're doing this, do you think the strike will go ahead on the 15th? Or do you think, strike will go ahead on the 15th. Or do, you um, think, or do you think there'll be uh, mitigation? London rally on the 15th, strike in the 15th and strike in the 16th. Yeah, do you think we'll get there or do you think there'll be something? Oh, I, I, think, I think we're all... You, you, you don't think there's something going to I think, no, I, I don't think the government's going to negotiate this at this turn. I think I think we're, we're locked in potentially to the, the second and the third and fourth yeah. strikes. Um, do you not think once this thing is sorted with the nurses that it could, it could also snowball? Well, Scotland seems to be starting yeah. to sort, seems to be starting to sorted, and there seems to be moving there. So, like everything else that happened during COVID, Scotland goes first and we go we go second. 
seems to be the way these days that Scotland goes first with everything. Um, but also, it's quite interesting. I think there's going to be some fallout as regards definitely about schools about the the release of those those WhatsApps. And I know mm. that um, Kevin Bo Kevin and Mary Uncle Kevin's and, and Auntie Mary aren't very happy with the release of those proving exactly what we knew was going on. And again, we were talking about that this morning. But you know, and I think that may in many ways galvanize the teaching profession to know that we were right and we were and we stepped up and, and i think that the, the release of those there's nothing nothing good short of actually making us probably stronger in our conviction to to i suppose hold the government to account because education is worth fighting for our kids are worth fighting for our jobs are worth fighting for in the future our own children is worth fighting for because we're they're in the education system and we both feel passionately and strongly about that and i'm i feel a lot of loyalty and i feel very strongly about protecting my colleagues because we are a noble profession of people who give selflessly and altruistically of others and i did have a spat last night with a with somebody who asked how much i earn and i posted up to them that taylor malik um um the comedian in america absolute cracking sketch when he says how much do you earn how much do you make is, is the actual YouTube, and I must post that up. And it's a lovely, lovely little comedian sort of take on the things that we do that can, money can never buy, you know, the small things that money can never buy, that kind word to a child. What's interesting is we always hear these, these adverts in television which talk about that type of thing coming from the individuals who aren't actually helping us, which I think is yeah. quite ironic. But there we go. We've gone five minutes. Right, cool. We've done the five minutes. Right, have a, have a great uh, week, and uh, we'll catch you up in the week. See you later, guys. All the best. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.